And it's really interesting as someone who's in the industry, as well as someone who's I'm a historian, to watch this development from a functional perspective and to question, okay, why are we doing this? I'm Brian Kramer. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. So excited to be back for another Humanly Possible. I am on with my good friends. And the first time I'm doing a podcast with four total people, including myself, it's usually me and one other guest. But when I heard that my friends were coming out with an incredible book around one of my favorite topics in the world, I couldn't help myself. And I reached out and said, what if we all came together on one podcast? And I usually get to see these people at conferences, sometimes independently or separately, and sometimes we're all in the same place. That's very rare. But now, these days, we're all virtual. So this is kind of nice. I get to see my friends. For those of you who are listening, we are on a video Zoom and kind of having fun seeing each other in separate parts of the world. Um, And I'd like to welcome my guests, my friends, Amanda Robinson, Mike Alton, and Stephanie Liu. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I'm excited. (laughs) Okay. So let's kick this off with the book. You guys co-wrote a book with, uh, and I believe there's two other people as well. Uh, So five of you total writing a book. How did that go? Uh, Amanda, I'll start with you. It came together thanks to we're gonna say uh, we're gonna call Mike Alton as the glue. So Mike, um, Mike is is like the person who can herd cats. He can keep us all focused, keep us all together, and keep us all marching forward in the same collective direction. But the beauty of writing with other experts in our field is that we were each able to contribute our area of expertise. So basically, it was a brain dump of your own knowledge putting that out there, and then collectively, all of us together putting all of that knowledge together produced a very well-rounded 360-degree uh, look at social media marketing. So in all honesty, this experience, it has been incredible because of the uh, the collaboration in this. Stephanie, did would you say the same thing or are you going to completely negate what she just said? I dissent. There's no reason to... <laughs> it's never fun when you always agree. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would say from an authorship perspective, it's interesting because... So many people have thought about wanting to write a book, right? And then they they just keep putting it aside. They keep putting it on the back of the shelf. But when you have four other people writing with you, it's like, hey, your deadline is coming up. Now you have accountability. And it's so helpful because, as you know, we all speak on stages and we share our presentations and they're like, that would be great for the book. You're like, you know, you're right. I totally should have that in there. <laughs> so it was, it was fun. It was nice having the accountability for it. Everything that's in there is, it's fresh. It's new. It's agency tested. It's been tested in the battlefields. Like we know that it works. So it was a good experience. Fantastic. Mike, I'm the, I'll am i call you Mr. Glue from now on. Uh, what ha- what was that like trying to be the glue for five, for all of you guys and helping this come together where you were you i guess pulling my your hair out might not be a good thing but were, was it was it challenging or 
It, it wasn't challenging. Um, I, I could make a joke here, but I won't. I'll be serious. It, these are wonderful people to work with. And, and it, it's, it was a real pleasure from beginning to end. And the, the joy for me was that it wouldn't have happened without them. It wouldn't have happened without Amanda and Stephanie being able to lend their expertise, both to writing the book and promoting the book and everything that we're going to do going forward. And it wouldn't have happened without Jen and Eric having their own experience as authors working on the Instagram for Dummies book and being able to make the introductions that made this book possible. I would not have gotten this book deal on my own. I have to own up to that. So it was fantastic from beginning to end. Oh, that's great. Well, let's dive in. I want to know about some of the things inside the book. I know everybody else out there can't wait for this to hit the hit the stands. And I believe that's coming out on what date? Tuesday, the 26th. Okay. So I would love to know, everybody would love to know, what is the one thing? Because you, there are so many things in this book. I, 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 I ran through the whole book and I'm like, how do you even boil down one thing? Like, how do you get to that thing that you should do first or that you should shift first. So I'm going to ask each person, what's the one thing that you love about this book that really draws you in the most? Not the reader, but you. And maybe it's the section you worked on. Maybe it's somebody else's section. But what was that one thing that really speaks out to you? Stephanie, let's go with you first. So most people will probably think that I'll point on the video marketing piece of it. But people already know me for that. What they don't know, though, is that I've worked in, like deep in the agency trenches. And so I know how to build teams. So the chapter where we talk about the roles and responsibilities of what a community manager does versus a social media manager versus an analyst and a strategist, that's the part where I get the most excited because most people don't realize the different roles and the ascension when you get into social media marketing, when you invest that time in learning about it, how you can grow as an individual, why it's important for you to build a team. Because as you noticed here, we are experts in our own niche. And so to have different people to count on, that's so much more powerful when you're launching a campaign. And you and I met at an agency, I believe, for the first time in a conference room um, uh, fish tank. I can't remember the name of the, the agency now, but is that right? Yeah. Yes. So it was over at IDEA. IDEA. That's it. So how funny. Uh, and, and Mike, what about yourself? Interestingly, it's the video chapter that, that I was most tickled by, uh, in the book because first of all, and unlike my own expertise, I really recognize the power of video, even though I don't use it much. I don't create my own video. I show up on other people's shows and I piggyback on other people's audiences. But I see how powerful video can be. And I, I really enjoyed how that particular chapter goes into the psychology of video and the psychology of content and how you can use that video to really create this perception that your brand is everywhere using frequency illusion. So it was, it was really powerful to me to to be able to work with that, uh, work with Stephanie on that and collaborate on that and, and read it and see it all come together in the context of the whole book. Well, frequency illusion. I had not heard that before. What is that? Tell me more. Well, we've all experienced it. We've all experienced where you decide 
you want to buy a new car. So you go online and you start researching cars and you're looking at Infinities and you kind of settle on the Q60 and you decide you want a white Q60 Infinity. And then you go out the door tomorrow and on your way to the grocery store, it feels like every single person around you is driving a white Infinity Q60. That's frequency illusion. The cars aren't new. They weren't planted there just because you were driving by. But your brain had been processing all that information and reading and researching and seeing the pictures. And now you notice it when you go out in the world. And it's the same thing that can happen with a brand. If you are creating content on multiple channels and hitting people in different ways and their different learning styles and the different times of day and the different formats, if you're putting out video and blog posts and podcasts and images and you're connecting with other people and you've got like influencers who are name dropping your brand left and right, they may have been doing the same thing for other brands, but because all these things are combining together into a single perception in your brain, now it feels like that brand is everywhere. Man, you could write a whole book about each of these things you guys are just talking about. Um, and, and ironically enough, I my wife, this happened years ago, but she asked me to go look by... I don't know why, but she asked me to buy a bra for her. And I was, and it was like a, yeah, right. I don't know. And so, but then I got, I got results. Then I was frequent, frequency illusioned everywhere on bras. So I was like, oh my God, I got to be careful here. Um, this is the new society that we live in. Amanda, how about yourself? Naturally, I'm going to talk about chatbots because I can't get enough of them. And I am really excited that I think this is one of the, earlier publications, like physically printed books talking about chatbots. So messenger marketing chatbots have been fairly new. They've been on scene, honestly, well-rooted in in our general marketing for the last three years. But a lot of marketers have not quite adopted them or dabbled with them because they can be rather intimidating. So one of the parts that gets me very excited about this book is it gives you it inspires you to understand why you should use a chatbot. What use is it? How do you even get started? Where do you even look to get started? How hard is it going to be? Who is this for? So to be able to break that down in, in an actual publication was extremely exciting. Well, that's, that is so cool. I, um, I'm curious on chatbots. Has it, is it to the point where, uh, what what is the biggest challenge that you, you think that you think people are facing right now with with chatbots? Um, I think there's a misperception out there on what chatbots can do, what they are. So they're not just marketing spam, and they're not they're not just something cluttering your inbox. So for example, uh, I use marketing messenger marketing chatbots as the backbone of the administration of a lot of my programs. So my membership that you sign up for is through Messenger Marketing Chatbot, handling data, processing people's um, mailing addresses and their email addresses, getting information moved from one location to another. It's like a virtual filing cabinet, but it also allows me to create really fun, engaging opportunities to have conversations with people. So I can start quizzes and games. I can... Um, there's, there's all sorts of inspiring ways to get people to start engaging back and forth. And it's a fantastic vehicle to provide value, give value. So for example, I have presentations that I'm doing right now where in order to deliver, um, deliver value with the presentation, uh, the messenger marketing chatbot, you just either click on a link or scan a QR code. And now you're getting the entire download of the presentation. You're getting uh, backup resources such as additional videos for video training. You're getting discounts and coupons or anything that I have that is 
is re- related to the topics that I was speaking on. So it's delivering a, it, it's delivering like a 10 part huge piece of value that people can then browse and cherry pick out what they want. So it, it brings that extension into from the screen into an inbox, into a conversation and into delivering value. So it's not just a, bots are not a mechanism for spam. They are a vehicle for delivering information and acquiring information and are fantastic at amplifying the abilities of I'm just one person. It helps me move information to the ability of being, you know, 10, 20, 30 people. Wow. Oh my God. It's, it almost sounds like the Mecca for, for an awesome um, uh, we again, uh, there's a whole nother podcast in that. And I'm curious, I want to ask you guys about the shifts that you have seen in social media, uh, just even in the last year. Because uh, if I asked you in the last two years, I think all, all of our brains would probably go all kinds of different ways because social's just expanding, growing, creating so many different things and eliminating a lot too. There's a lot of things that have been taken down and removed or not removed that should be removed. What is each of your take on what has happened over the last year that you think will make an incredible difference in the future? Maybe it's a small thing, a small shift, or maybe it's something big that's coming. Um, Mike, what do you think? One of the interesting things that I've noticed is that a few years ago, every social network was hyper-focused on like a single kind of functionality. YouTube is a really easy example, right? YouTube, all you could do was upload videos. That's it. And you know, Facebook was text and posts uh, in, in images. But what we're seeing really even more so this year is this ubiquity of functionality. In other words, in very short amount of time, you're going to be able to go to any so- major social network and do the exact same things. Post a text update, post an image, upload a video create a story. That's the big news right now is that this, you know, this tall format of graphic or short form video is just sweeping across all the social networks. And it's really interesting as someone who's in the industry, as well as someone who's actually, I'm, I'm a historian, to, to watch this development from a functional perspective and to question, okay, why are we doing this? Why is every single social network coming out with a story format? Why is every social network coming out with live video? And it's a reflection of the needs and desires of consumers. But what we don't know is what does the end look like, right? 6, 12, 18 months from now, when I can go live to LinkedIn or TikTok or any other social network I want, when I can upload a story format to every other social network, which one am I going to choose? Am I really going to do that to every single social network? Unless I'm a marketer like me, probably not, right? The typical consumer is going to pick one. So how are they going to differentiate each other, differentiate from each other? I think that's going to be a really interesting question. Um, I don't have an answer for that, but that's what I'm looking at. You're right. It's just a big, uh, it's, it's a big melting pot of lots and lots and lots of options. And, um, it'll be interesting. You're right. That's a good, that's really great point. Stephanie, how about yourself? Well, I love the whole comment about these small shifts to create these epic outcomes. And honestly, it's the fact that you're seeing today's digital strategist, today's social media strategist now has to know all different assets and it includes video marketing, not just pre-recorded, but live streaming. So even just yesterday, I had hosted an event and in that conversation with the video production team, we had to discuss what works and what doesn't work on each one of the social media platforms. Because otherwise they're thinking, hey, we just have a run of show. We click the button and 
people will show up and it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. There are certain ways that the algorithm will boost your post. So that way you're top of mind and tip of tongue. And so now I'm seeing digital strategists, if you're not embracing what people are doing and how they're consuming content online and noticing those shifts, then you're going to get left behind. You heard it here. (laughs) Embrace the shift. I love it. Um, Amanda, how about yourself? The overarching commonality across every single social network right now that we are seeing is a rapid shift into storytelling. And different platforms such as TikTok are now are now lighting up the creativity in people to let them know how to tell stories, how to become a storyteller. And we're starting to see that spill over into other platforms now. So having the the storytelling, uh, telling whether it's telling your story, sharing an update, sharing facts about things you didn't know, people are getting extremely creative with having to, with being able to convey that information, but keeping it in a short, fun storytelling format. And now marketers are starting to adopt storytelling formats. And I think this is, it's re, reinvigorating, reigniting how we are consuming social media and it's making it more fun, but it's also highlighting uh, other channels that are becoming a little more boring, a little, little less, you know, our attention spans are absolutely shifting. I can see smiles on everyone's faces right now. So I, I would, I'm going to dive into three specific areas and there are three that I, I, you three are, are most at least well known for. Maybe that's not all you do, but I think it's three areas that are both intriguing and baffling to so many people. And I'd love to, for you to share maybe one unique shift, one thing that people can do in each of these areas, uh, as it, as it, um, is at, attributed to each of these areas. So the first one is, uh, ads and, I'm going to pick on Amanda for that one because she's the ad person. And so Amanda, what Mike's saying me, uh, Amanda, what, what is people are spending all kinds of money and throwing money away at ads or they're doing it right. Or they're maybe getting some hits and some misses. What is, what is the biggest challenge with ads? What I'm seeing with a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs is that there's this expectation that it's all going to be like the gurus say it's going to be, that you put some ad dollars in, you have a little bit of strategy and you're going to make sales come out the other end. It doesn't necessarily work that way. And I think that you need to align your expectation of what you want your ads to achieve with the budget you have to work with. So for example, if you're coming at Facebook ads and you have $100 you want to put into ads for this month and you want to make $10,000 in sales, it ain't going to (laughs) happen. But if you are coming at it with the approach of, okay, I might have a very conservative budget right now with room to grow in the future once we start to see this have some improvement, but realigning what those expectations are. So if I have a very conservative budget with my ads, maybe I'm going to focus on getting engagement. So just getting earning that attention span and considering that a win. So saying the more attention span I'm earning through likes, clicks, comments, shares, video views, that is my measurement of success. And then set your numbers, your baseline on what that looks like and beat that number month over month over month. So aligning those expectations on what you want your ads to achieve and allowing your entire marketing plan do all of the heavy lifting to to move people from getting to know you into sales and not just putting all the expectation on a singular platform such as Facebook. Facebook is only one part 
You still have all of your organic efforts that you still need to upkeep. You still have other ads such as Google ads, whether you're on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter advertising. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it means you need to have a cohesive strategy that, that is on omni-channel and multi-platform. You can't just put all of your eggs in one ad basket and then get frustrated when it's not working. Unless, you know, the one exception to the rule is if you have a boatload of money to throw at it, yeah, you can you can buy your way to results fairly quickly, but they may not be sustainable results. So slowing a slow grow with a good strategy and manage the expectations of what you want your ads to achieve, and then incrementally grow those expectations as you're starting to move the needle of success. Perfect. Perfect. That is uh, that's incredibly helpful. Stephanie, what about you for video and live video. I'm so excited about live video in the sense that more companies, especially corporate clients, are now embracing the idea of remote live video production. The fact that they need someone to produce a show for them, whether it's going to be branded, having intros or outros, that's one way to advertise and connect with your audience and build rapport. But the other side that I've seen it kind of shift this year especially, is how do I impress my board of directors, my annual shareholders, my investors, because we are so zoomed out. And so when these companies, these CEOs need to impress these investors, they are now producing their own online production, their own run of show to show testimonials, results, revenue growth, what's going to be happening in the forecast. And so I feel like the PowerPoint presentations, the keynote presentations, that is disappearing. You have new software like mm -hmm, coming out, right? Everyone is about storytelling and telling it in a different way to captivate audiences, to keep that attention. Because when you're working at, at home right now, there are so many things to distract you. And so when you hire a producer to help you tell that story and share it, with your audience, oh, that's so powerful. Then you have them on the edge of your seat. And that's what's really, really exciting about live streaming. Wow. Wow. You guys are all making me want to do more of all this. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but I'm going to go have a drink after this before I decide what I'm going to do. <laughs> are you going fair. to be a drink while, while pouring through the chapters of the book? Yes. <laughs> Mike, you are next. And I'm going to ask you uh, if you wouldn't mind to focus in on about software platform. That's a little bit of a softball, but there's a lot of software out there. And just how, how, do, you, how do you pick? How do you use? And, and, and across from everything that we're talking about here, there's so much. Um, what do you do? How do you create? Yes, Amanda. Yeah, I'm dumb. <laughs> You're interested. I'm like, you want to go next? But Mike's, it's Mike's turn. He's, he's raising my her turn. hand. It's a vote. Um, my turn. But it's just, uh, just from a digital marketer perspective, there are so many pieces of software or or things that we need to subscribe to or buy or or pay into. And I've just been working through all my finances and in itemizing and getting my finances to the point where I can see, I can see all of the areas and all of the little platforms that are eating up, you know, $5 here, $10 yeah, there. That's right. And how many of them are critical to actually running the business and how many of them are, I really just want to get it to try it out. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, go ahead. I think, I think no, that's a great you. point. It, it, we all, we all are there. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I consider myself a software tool whore. Um, and so I, I have, I, okay. I'm alcohol, it. anonymous for software. So, um, so Mike, I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. 
Well, just to piggyback off of that, Amanda's 100% right. So the first piece of advice I would give any business owner is keep track of every tool that you sign up for, every tool that you try, and give yourself a good window to try it. Whether you know, I mean, you might have a 15-day trial or 30-day trial. Don't worry about the trial period. Think about how much time you actually need to see whether that tool has a positive impact on your business bottom line in some way. And make a calendar entry or do something to give yourself a reminder to say, okay, 60 days from now, I'm going to decide whether or not I really need to pay for Zapier Premium or whatever it is that you're evaluating so that you don't have these subscriptions pile up. And you are, in fact, making sure that you're implementing these tools because tools, the whole point of a tool is that they're going to help you. They're going to help save time. They're going to help alleviate a pain, which is the second point that I look at is when you're doing anything in your business. Take a look at how much time you're putting into it. Take a look at the tools that you are using and think about the pain that you're actually experiencing. Is this a manual process where you're copying and pasting from one place to another over and over and it's repetitive? Is there a tool that can replace that? Whether it's a chatbot or an Airtable instead of just a basic spreadsheet? Or can you import into a social media management tool like Agorapulse? Or could you use a VA and just use somebody else's time to do whatever it is that you're doing? A VA could be just as powerful a tool as an Excel spreadsheet or Zoom or something else. So yeah, those are the two things that I would look at is, you know, Make note of the tools that you're using. Give yourself a good period of time to evaluate them and make sure that you're actually using them and pay attention to the pain points, pay attention to the repetitive tasks and see what could potentially be automated. So out of curiosity with um, over the past five years, looking at, looking at that as an example, do you think that you need more tools or less tools right now to be able to run a digital marketing business? think you need more processes. That's what I think people need. I think people need to document the steps that it takes to complete a task, to really invest their time into recording how long it actually takes. I can tell you how many times we have people asking us, well, how do I create a proposal? What's the right price? It's like, well, how long does it actually take you to do it manually? And if you have a tool to help you do that, well, then what's the hard cost for that as well? Because most people, when they're trying to scale their agencies and scale their businesses, they don't even have that piece documented yet. And that's where they fall. It's like, um, it's like digital quicksand. You're trying to grow your agency. You're trying to grow your client roster, but you don't have the process and you're just sinking. No tool will help you with that. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I do have and use software where I feel like a tool. And so that's an immediate need for getting rid of the software. I will throw that in there. Um, one, one thing I want to do before we go is I want to have you just do just a very quick, um, a quick moment of what is one thing, one thing in the book that you should go read right away when you get the book, when everybody goes out, they get the book go into the book and look this up. It's the, it's really important that you get this thing first before everything. And I'm not talking about page one or the forward. I'm like something inside the book. So uh, Stephanie, I'll, I'll throw that out to you. I will definitely say take a look at video marketing because the stats are there. The results are there. And if you want to get on the fascination fast track, especially in today's climate, that's where you want to invest and spend some time. Wonderful. Thank you. Mike? 
I would say pay attention to the section in the influencer marketing chapter where we talk about what an influencer is because so many businesses don't realize that they're actually doing influencer marketing today. Maybe they're not doing it well. Maybe they're not doing it mindfully, but they are doing it. They are creating relationships, whether it's a local business or a big company. And if you pay attention to that, that can open up all kinds of doors of opportunity for you. As a former uh, agency owner of uh, influencer marketing, that melts my heart. Thank you so much for saying that. Amanda? I love this because I'm going to sandwich things that are right in between. So uh, the the chapters that Mike and Stephanie mentioned are the kind of the bookends to these other two chapters on obviously leveraging chatbot automation and leveraging paid social media. So being able to understand paid social media overall and uh, how things like chatbots can actually play into that strategy. So these are areas that if, I mean, if you pick up that book and you just skim those chapters, you're going to get the value out of the book. And if you pick up the book and skim all of those chapters that we just discussed, you're going to be getting way more than the value that you've invested into the book. And then if you read all the chapters, well, I mean, you're going to, you're definitely going to be inspired to level up your digital marketing game and your social media. No question. Well, you guys already just did that here in the interview, and I can't thank you guys enough for showing up here and being with me and doing a, a new kind of format, but a fun format. So thank you for doing that with me on a first for myself, and I'm looking forward to seeing the success of your new book. Thank you guys so much, and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank really you. appreciate you having us. You got it. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe. We love having subscribers just like you. Download a few more episodes. And if you feel moved, we would so appreciate a review. I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.